We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Monday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast, presented as always by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all of your sports wagering needs. Uh, huge weekend, of course, in the NFL. Uh, ton of money uh, changing hands over those uh, conference championship games. And of course, now we have a bit of a break until the Super Bowl just under two weeks from now. Uh, but we are going to talk NBA on the Rotowire NBA pod. And here to do so is James Anderson back again. Uh, James, we're going to hit a few topics. Today, we're going to talk about the Bucks. We're going to talk about John Morant emerging as a, in my mind, very legitimate MVP candidate. Uh, and then we'll take a look back, as we usually do a few times per year, at some of the recent drafts. And we'll focus on the 2020 NBA draft and, and kind of parse the direction uh, that some of the key players from that class seem to be headed now as we, you know, near the, basically past the halfway point of their second NBA season. But I, I want to start with Milwaukee. And, you know, this is a team that's close to our hearts. We're in Wisconsin. We follow this team closer than any other NBA team. And I, I came into this year thinking that the Bucks would somewhat be on cruise control. And you know, it, it's weird to think of the Bucks in this context, but they're kind of to the point after winning the title where you don't really get all that worried about what happens in the regular season, especially with the way that, that the regular season is treated by a lot of teams in the NBA today. It's more about what this team does in the playoffs. So I'm still not panicking, but you know, two blowout double-digit losses to Cleveland and Denver. Uh, most recently, that Nuggets loss yesterday afternoon. Again, I'm not panicking, but it's this is not quite the dominant run that I thought we would see from the Bucks, who are, other than Brooke Lopez, who hasn't played since opening night, are basically at full strength right now. Yeah, you know, I think the Brooke Lopez injury probably hasn't been talked about enough. Uh, you know, just he's been... Um, not one of their three best players, but I think at times during the past like two or three years, he's he's been their second most important player just in terms of anchoring what has been a major strength for them on the defensive side of things. And uh, what they're really lacking is size. You know, they, they have basically 
at times Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are essentially playing power forward on defense because they're just running out a bunch of shooting guards next to Giannis most of the time. And so, um, you know, when they're, when they're hitting threes, they can be really deadly on offense, but it's just, uh, you know, it's not a very intimidating group defensively. And that, that Cavs matchup especially was really kind of exposed their lack of size where you just had Jared Allen and Evan Mobley um, really kind of doing whatever they wanted uh, on both ends. And uh, I think in a playoff setting, Giannis could, you know, maybe step things up a little bit more than, than he is right now defensively. But uh, the, I think it's like, a, it's, it's a combination of what you said. Like it, it is kind of a cruise control thing. It's kind of a, they really miss Brooke Lopez thing. And, uh, you know, even if you just said they don't have Brooke Lopez, I mean, they need somebody other than Bobby Portis in the front court, uh, whether that's on the trade market, the buyout market, whether they just get Brooke Lopez back in like a month, you know, one, one of those things really probably needs to happen um, just because they're, they're too small out there. Yeah, I don't even think Bobby Portis is the issue or, or you know, like the lack of Brooke Lopez is the issue. It's the guys that you have beyond, you know, those two. They, they've really built in no depth for this team at center at all, which is, is kind of crazy given the age that, that Brooke Lopez is at, that you take him away. And, you know, like I, it never really even occurred to me. It's like, oh, yeah, they have like no real centers. Um, and you don't want to play Giannis at center more than you have to, although that's obviously been effective when needed. Um, but, you know, we've seen like Manu Kadashvili playing real minutes for this team, which uh, probably should not be happening. Thanasis was playing a ton of minutes early on. Um, and it's been kind of kind of shocking that they haven't addressed this. You know, we had the the one month run of DeMarcus Cousins that seemed to be going well. And then they abruptly pulled the plug on that. Uh, but the fact that they did that like right at the peak of when Cousins seemed to be helping the Bucks more than he ever was leads me to believe that there is some sort of long term plan, whether that's adding you know, a Thaddeus Young type, um, you know, via the buyout market. Although, you know, size-wise, I don't really know if that's the solution. Um, or maybe feel internally a lot more confident about Lopez coming back at some point. Because, I mean, this team, it, it's not the smartest front office. Like, they, they're certainly not bulletproof in the moves that they've made. But it's such an obvious hole right now that it's, it's hard for me to believe that the Bucks are just, like, ignoring it and, and content with how things are going. Like, I, I feel like there's some sort of plan in place. Yeah, I mean, if, if Brooke Lopez doesn't come back within the next, like, six weeks or so, then I think that they've probably made an error uh, somewhere along the way. Um, mm-hmm. Or there maybe there would be a setback involved there. But, I mean, they used to just bludgeon teams on the glass and just really cut off the paint. And um, that's just, you know, Lopez is the main reason for that. Like Giannis won defensive player of the year, but he wasn't the rim protector on that team. He wasn't the primary rim protector, at least. He was the guy that was the most versatile defender, but Lopez was the reason why teams weren't scoring at the rim, the the top reason for that. And so you take that away. And, you know, I mean, I think all the guys have stepped up um, to the best of their ability. Like, I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any player to blame uh, like, you know, Portis has played really well. Connaughton's played really well. Grayson Allen's played really well. Uh, DiVincenzo, you know, I mean, he's been hurt for most of the year, but 
they they need Lopez back, and I mm-hmm. expect that they will get him back. Uh, but short of that, I mean, they need to at least bring in somebody, uh, whether it's via buyout or whether they're trading Dante DiVincenzo, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they can't they can't go into the playoffs with Giannis and Bobby Portis as the only two true front court right. players on the roster. One name that I heard last week, and this was just conjecture from Bucks Twitter, was trying to dangle DiVincenzo and Connaughton to Sacramento to get Rashawn Holmes, which I, I have no idea if the Kings are interested in doing that. My guess would be no. I, I don't know why that package would be overly enticing to Sacramento, but getting a player like that would be massive. Um, I mean, if Rashawn Holmes is an attainable piece, I, I say go for that. I, I've seen people throw out like Jakob Hurdle. I, I also don't know how realistic that is. Uh, that's probably shooting maybe a little too high, depending on what you're willing to give up. Uh, but I think you're right. Like the roster has performed pretty well. I mean, obviously they weren't prepared necessarily for the Lopez injury. I, I think maybe the, the one criticism I would make is instead of bringing back Wesley Matthews, I think that spot, you know, could have gone to try out, even if it's on like a rotating semi G league basis, you know, to try out a four or a five, instead of adding yet another two slash three to this team that already has Middleton, Connaughton, Allen, you know, now Matthews, Rodney Hood, DiVincenzo, Jordan Nawara has played okay. Um, they, they did kind of go with like a, a wing raid build on this offense or on this roster. Um, and it, it's, it's a little stark how much they've ignored the front court. Yeah. <clears throat> like all other than Portis and Giannis, all their best players are between six, two and six, six. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. Well, and a lot of those guys, like, I mean, like Grayson Allen and like Connaughton and, and even holiday, it's like a lot of those guys are on the shorter end of that too. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Wes Matthews is a better fit probably uh, in terms of just fitting into the system and knowing the system and being reliable uh, than any front court player they could have added. And maybe having Wes Matthews gives them the flexibility to then move DiVincenzo. Uh, sure. and, you know, maybe they move George Hill as part of the, the salary cap or, or whatever matching in that. Um, I, I don't really, you know, part of what makes Lopez so special on this team, and I think part of why he's been so underrated is it's really, you know, it's, it's Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner. Uh, it's a really, really short list of guys who can be your top rim protector right. and space the floor, and you can't really get that with the assets the Bucks have available to them. Yeah. At the same time, I don't feel like they need to trade for a Miles Turner or even a Rashawn Holmes. Like that almost seems too good to be true. You know, I think you just need, you need some sort of reliable depth. If you don't have to trade for a star center or even like a, you know, a borderline top 10 center. Like if you're just getting someone who's somewhere between like 15 and 25 or even 20 and 30, like I, I think that would go a long way just toward having reliable depth. And I mean, what part of this, not that he would have helped at center all that much, but you know, semi Ojale being a massive bust is also a little bit a part of this. I think they foresaw him soaking up probably a lot more minutes, you know, at the four and, and maybe even at the three and sometimes as a small ball five. And that, you know, 100% has not come to fruition whatsoever. Yeah, you're not going to go 100% on your moves, but it does seem like they have a, a massive whiff at least once per offseason with, you know, DJ Augustine last year, semi Ojale this year. Uh, Obviously, you're not you're not devoting significant resources to those players, so it's not the end of the world, and you're not choosing from a a nice collection of options there. But 
I get kind of what I meant with the, you know, Lopez, Turner, like Joel Embiid, like those types of guys. Like to me, if you take away either the rim protection aspect or the three point shooting aspect, you might be just talking about um, something that's not worthwhile bringing in because I think bringing in like a Jakob Pertl type that would give you the size and everything. But mm-hmm. I think it, it might be just a negative overall addition to the rotation because of the spacing issues it would create on the other end. So to me, it's like bring in someone who can stretch and protect the rim or don't bring in anyone. I, I think you just mm-hmm. run, roll with what you have and hope that Lopez comes back because I think bringing in a guy who doesn't do both of those things, it just isn't going to fit into any sort of playoff rotation. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, how far how far does Milwaukee have to fall or how much do they have to stumble where it would get to the point for you that to say, like, I, I don't know if this team can actually make the NBA Finals because they're in fifth place right now, which I think is significantly lower than anybody would have expected. But then you look at the Nets are in sixth. You know, that's obviously not where they expected to be. And, you know, the teams ahead of Milwaukee, in order, Miami, Chicago, Philly, Cleveland, all those teams belong there, you know, to varying degrees. They've all had successful, surprising seasons in some cases. But at the same time, like, and again, like, like I said at the top, I can't believe I'm saying this about the Milwaukee Bucks basketball franchise, but there's a degree of like comfort that you get after a team wins a title where I, I don't know what it would take for me to back off Milwaukee. You know, maybe at some point they wouldn't become like my title favorite out of the East, but I, I don't know. They'd have to lose like 15 games in a row for me to say, yeah, I don't think this team has it. Like when you have Giannis and you have Holiday and you have Middleton, um, when all those guys are healthy, even, even if Lopez doesn't come back, I still think this team is very much in the mix. Yeah. I think you, you nailed it. As long as those two guys are healthy, I think they have as good a shot as anybody. Now, if, if Lopez doesn't come back and the Miami heat are fully, fully healthy, uh, and they have home court advantage, uh, I could see myself actually picking the Heat over the Bucks in a playoff matchup. If if there's no Lopez and all the Heat guys are healthy, I think that that would give the Bucks uh, some serious issues. Uh, but if if Giannis, Chris, and Drew are healthy, I would take them over any other team at full strength, assuming that Kyrie is still unable to play home games. It says a lot that Milwaukee has basically been locked in at seven to one to win the title uh, for a long time. And it's kind of been independent of, of the ups and downs. I I think a lot of people feel like we do uh, where it would take a significant injury or, you know, some sort of unforeseen development to really knock this team out of contention. And again, that's the, you know, that's the comfort you get when you're the defending title, you get the benefit of the doubt. Um, But it's, it's a little scary at least with the, the lack of depth at center. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. 
At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription that will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up in that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com/thrive. That's T H. R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest and then you'll receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out today. Speaking of odds, I want to turn to the MVP odds, which we continue to monitor very closely. And we've had some significant shakeups over the last week, Steph Curry now down at four to one on DraftKings. That's fourth behind Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. Uh, so really, for the first time in a very long time, Stephen Curry is not the favorite, um, and rightfully so. I mean, his his slump continues even as the Warriors have uh, found ways to win games with him struggling and with Draymond out. But the guy I want to talk about is John Morant, who a couple of weeks ago I, I think I was talking with Alex on the pod, and I said I just you know I just don't get it. Like I. You know, this was kind of right at the, the height of that Grizzlies winning streak. And, you know, obviously it's a great story and, and they're they're well ahead of schedule and Morant is even better than we thought. But I, I just did not really see him as a viable MVP candidate, partially because of the strength of the guys ahead of him, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Curry. I'm kind of coming around on this. I, I think there's a, a real chance that Morant not only, you know, makes a case for, for a top three MVP finish, but I think he's going to have a legitimate chance to win it based on how this season is starting to turn and he's 12 to one right now at DraftKings. last 17 games, 29.6 points, 6.8 assists, six and a half rebounds, one steal, two threes per game, 51, 40, 75 shooting splits. And most importantly, Memphis is now up to third in the Western conference, only a couple games behind golden state. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a chance that he could win it. I don't really think there's a chance that he could deserve it. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's, there's a difference there. I don't, I don't know how much that matters in our discussion, but um, sure. to me, it's to me the I, I know those numbers are great, but it's a, it's really an ensemble uh, domination that's happening there. And I'd say the same thing about what's happening in Phoenix. Sure. Where, it's really just the strength of their, you know, having one of the best top six or seven player rosters in the league uh, has allowed them to really have a ton of success and the pieces just fitting so well. Obviously, John Morant deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker deserve a ton of credit for what's happening with the Suns. But, I mean, we saw, like, what, what did the – like I know, I know. Like it doesn't mean John's not good, but what did they go like eight and one without him? Um, yeah, that that's the, just, the one big black mark. 
like like if the Nuggets lose Nikola Jokic for any amount of time, they're gonna lose every game he doesn't play in. Like that's just yeah the way it's that's just the way it's gonna go. And so right. like I, I think you look at uh, to me Nikola Jokic is gonna deserve it if he stays healthy. Like I think he should win the MVP. Um, he might not stay healthy, but I just can't really see myself picking anyone else else besides him as long as he stays healthy. I'm I'm with you on the Jokic point. I, I feel like he's been even more dominant and and, and carrying that team to a, an even stronger degree than he was last year. I, I don't think anybody's going to fight you on that. Um, and they've been good enough that I, I don't think you know we're not talking about a team that's sitting in like ninth place and scrapping for the playoffs. Like the, the way things stand right now, I mean Denver Denver's in fifth. You know they're they're probably not going to go any higher than fourth. But but as we talked about last week, I mean Russell Westbrook won it on a five seed Thunder team a few years ago. It, it's not unforeseen. And, and it does feel like the impact that Jokic is having on this team is, is kind of starting to become more of a mainstream topic where it felt like he was being written off early on when they were, you know, just hovering around 500, but Denver's now seven games above 500. Like to me, that is, especially in this season where other than Phoenix, you don't really have any truly dominant teams. And you could argue that the Suns don't really have a true MVP candidate so that, you know, they're removed from the argument altogether um, like none of these guys are on a good enough team that it feels like that's going to be a huge mark in their favor. However, with Morant, it like he's he's such a centerpiece of this. Like, because everybody expected Golden State to be good, we expected Utah to be good, we expected Phoenix to be good. Um, you know, and, and Cleveland doesn't really have an MVP candidate. Like Memphis is basically the Cleveland of the West, but they're even better. And you have this guy who is like rapidly becoming one of the most popular players in the league. So while I agree with you that I would still vote for Jokic or I would vote for Giannis for sure, at least those two guys over Morant, it, it does feel like there's some very, you know, 2010-11 Derrick Rose momentum behind Morant. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's just, there's better options than there were the, the year Rose won. Uh, I mean, Morant's going to win most improved player, so. Uh, oh, yeah, by far. I mean, that's that's so that, up. That, like, that's the way that he'll get recognized for this year, I think, and. Uh, maybe Taylor Jenkins wins Coach of the Year too, um, mm. but it it's just you know it, it's it's a different experience watching Jokic or watching Embiid or watching Giannis when he's locked in yep. to me than it is watching John Morant. Like he's he's probably <laughs> like he's more fun to watch than yes exactly. Like if, if there was an Giannis. award for coolest player of the year, he would win it in a landslide. <laughs> it would be unanimous, right? Right, but it's just the way that those guys, and and Jokic, he he used to be this guy who was just maybe the best offensive player in the league, but was a below average defensive center. I mean, he he makes plays on the defensive end all the time now, and so it's just he's so big and he's so like his and also like his assists. Not not that John Morant's assists aren't incredible uh often as well but Jokic's assists are not the just kind of pass it to an open guy and he hits the shot type of assist like they're just nobody else in the league could make a lot of the passes he makes that, that lead to assists and so I just yeah I mean I think it's it's him for me and also I mean like Embiid I think he's got a a shot to be a very deserving candidate as well but when you look at the odds and Embiid's plus 200 and Jokic is plus 300 you know what like what's the 
gap there in terms of expected games played over the rest of the season, right? Like Jokic is an Iron Man, and Bede is probably going to miss at least five more games this year. He's not playing tonight. Yeah, so uh, I just think I think the odds are like to me, it's just screaming to bet Jokic at plus three hundred. Yeah, and I think it's going to if that's the way it goes, it's going to feel deserving by the end of the year. I think people who are still on the fence. Uh, will eventually come around, especially if the Bucks, you know, continue to sputter. I think it's it becomes tougher and tougher to make the case for Giannis, especially over Jokic, when the Bucks are significantly healthier and really not all that much better as a team. Um, well, you know, especially with I, well, go I know it, it it probably shouldn't, but like last night's game, I think that that matters a tiny bit, right? You know, yeah. when you you have all your guys other than Lopez and your at home and you get blown out. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the thing is with Giannis is like, he, he's still playing. He's very rarely the reason the Bucks lose, if ever. I mean, he still played really well. Like, you know, Denver shot the lights out, all that. But people aren't going to have that kind of context, you know, when it comes to voting for MVP three months from now. You're not going to comb through the box score and say, well, actually Giannis played really well when they got smacked by Denver. Right. I will say as an aside on Giannis, you know, he's, he's nowhere near Jokic as a passer. Very few players are, you know, maybe bird. Uh, that's about it. Um, some of the passes that Giannis is making, like the driving kick passes have vastly improved this year. Like he's, he's steadily improved as a passer for the last four or five years, but um, you know, he's never going to get to the point where he's like curving passes around defenders like Jokic and Doncic. But I've been really, really impressed with his, you know, kind of one hand slings to the corner off the dribble. It feels like he was not doing that as often last year. Oh, he he deserves so much credit for, yeah, even just like you said, from last year to this year, he clearly put a lot of effort into that part of his game. And, um, I mean, I think there's room for him to even just, – just the fact that he was able to go from the level of passer he was last year to what he is this year tells me that maybe there's even – you know, he can keep improving there because he is starting to just see – like, it, it, it's not like he's got that um, – kind of Jokic just, you know, ridiculous natural vision, but he's so good at reading the defenses now mm-hmm. and seeing like where the defenders are and knowing, okay, like I have this pass and I don't necessarily have to like take the time to put two hands on the ball and look at the guy. I can just whip it over there. Uh, just the fact that he's been able to get to that point in the span of a year basically is just really encouraging. Yeah, I, I think he lacks the natural touch that Jokic has, and and he, Giannis has improved his touch, and oftentimes that's like a, almost an impossible thing for some guys to improve. But I think you need a certain degree of of natural ability in that area to to make those level of passes. But it feels like he's pretty much maxed out uh, his ability as a passer, which even based on where he was two or three years ago, uh, is pretty incredible. Last note on the Grizzlies, by the way, they, I don't think they're catching Phoenix for the top spot in the West. I mean, Phoenix, by the way, very quietly on pace for 67 wins. I mean, they they have two months now where they've won at least 90% of their games this season. Uh, so they're running away uh, really with, with the best record in the league. But I mean, Memphis is only three games behind Golden State right now. We have no idea when Draymond's coming back. Uh, Golden State's had some very lucky victories with Steph not playing very well at all of late. And I, I think most importantly, Memphis has by far the easiest schedule in the league remaining uh, according to tankathon and and milwaukee by the way has the hardest schedule uh for what it's worth but they have you know memphis gets the magic twice they get the rockets twice they get the pacers twice they have three more games against the pelicans who will you know likely be fully in the tank after the all-star break so i, I it's going to be interesting I, I wouldn't bet them to overtake golden state but 
I mean, they're they're now what four and a half games clear of Utah for you know who sits in fourth. So they're they're pretty squarely in third place. And I think it's going to be really fun to see if they make a run at that two seed. Yeah, I, I kind of think they're going to get it. They just I hope so. They have uh, they're they're really just kind of humming along, and I think uh, the Warriors sort of understandably. You know, Draymond is just such a crucial part of their their whole defensive system and their offensive system, and they're trying to integrate Clay back in. And I mean, Clay's had some great games, but it's it's very understandable to see why one team might be headed in one direction and the other team might be headed in the other direction. There, so I think I would expect the Grizzlies to finish with the two seed. They would lead the Eastern Conference by a full two games at this point, which I, I think is also flying under the radar. Just, you know, when you start to compare uh, conference to conference, having to be be behind Phoenix and Golden State, who are easily the two best teams in the league right now. Uh, before we talk 2020 NBA draft, James, I want to take a quick break uh, and make some picks for tonight's slate on monkeyknifefight.com, the newest partner of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is the easiest DS- DFS site on the internet. No setting lineups, no digging into hours of research. Uh, you know, waiting until, until lineup block to have to swap guys out. Say very simple, uh, you know, more or less, essentially, for each contest that you're playing on MKF. You have a chance to win 20 times, 100 times, on some nights even 500 times your buy-in amount. Uh, not just NBA. They offer contests uh, across virtually all major sports. So go to monkeynightfight.com to sign up, and you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And if you use our exclusive promo code, which is RWMBA, no spaces. Uh, it's it's written in all caps, so I, I assume you know to be safe, just put it in all caps. Chances are it'll probably work lowercase too. Uh, but RWMBA that'll get you a free ten dollar NBA ticket, uh, which you have to use within thirty days. So let's make some picks for tonight's slate. I believe we have eight games on the slate. Uh, there are a slew of Monkey Night Fight contests to choose from, but there is a five by five. Uh, where you essentially have to go five for five um, and you will, I think, 20X your money for this one. So, uh, James, I'm going to shoot you five over-unders. Uh, you were going to tell me your pick. Oh, actually, we're going to go more or less with these. So, uh, John Morant, 27.5 points at Philly tonight. Give me the over. I'm going so, over, too. He's been over in yeah. six straight. I don't see why yeah. not. No Embiid for it- Philly. Should be a fun game for Memphis. No one's going to be able to check him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he goes over. Stephen Curry, 24 and a half points at the Houston Rockets. I'll take the under. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I'm going to fade myself uh, here. I, I, I think the under is the right play, but I'm going to I'm going to responsibly fade myself. And, you know, even though Steph has been in this prolonged slump basically since mid-November, if there's a team that he can break out of it against, I think it would be the Houston Rockets. So I'm going to go over here. Uh, we're going to go to rebounds now for Yusuf Nurkic. 12 and a half rebounds for Nurkic at OKC. I'll go over. All right, I'm going over as well. OKC gives up more rebounds per 100 than any team in the league. Obviously, Portland has like zero depth at center. Nurkic is finally playing real minutes. Uh, big number, but I'm going over. Josh Giddy, one of your favorites. Seven and a half assists tonight against the Blazers. Uh, I got to go under there. I feel like the numbers say under. He's only gone over this number once in his last seven games, but no SGA. I, I assume Giddy shifts down to point guard, uh, at least from now until the All-Star break. So we're, we're going to be split on this one. You're going under. I'm going to go over 
seven and a half. I think he can get there against this Portland defense. Uh, and we finish out with CJ McCollum. I, I feel like this is a very generous number. So that gives you uh, a lean on where I'm going here. 21 and a half points for McCollum against the Thunder tonight. Well, I, uh, I'm going to go against where you were trying to lead me and I'm going to go over. Oh, I'm going over as well. I, maybe oh, maybe okay. I misled you with the way that I, <laughs> the way that I phrased that, but I'm going to go over 21 and a half. He's comfortably been over that number in his last two games. He's played a ton of minutes since coming back for the collapse from the collapsed lung. Um, I, I think this is a great spot for McCollum. So again, pick all four, five of those correctly on monkey knife fight tonight, 20 times your buy-in for that one. Uh, make sure you're using our promo code RWNBA to get that free $10 NBA credit. Check out monkeyknifefight.com for that 100% deposit match. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. All right, let's talk 2020 NBA draft. Um, as usual, we kind of left this one open-ended. You know, I, I don't want to like, you know, do a redraft or, you know, rank certain guys. I just, I kind of want to just hit on the major names. And the way that I started doing my research is I tried to make a list of guys that we know for sure are hits in this draft. Like there's no going back there. They've, they've already, you know, they're already far enough along on the right track that we're, we're sure this is a good pick. And I, I think I, I only came up with four names for sure. And then there's one that's kind of on the fence. So I want to get your opinion of, but can I, my, my four... can I guess, can I guess the four? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Edwards, Ball, Halliburton, and Cole Anthony. Edwards, Ball, Halliburton, and Desmond Bain. Was my favorite. oh duh of course yeah and that yep. and that's more so relative to where he was picked uh, but you guessed the guy who I was on the fence about in Cole Anthony I I didn't scroll down far enough on the draft board uh, obviously Bain would have been you know yeah three but yeah yeah well I mean 
I, I know I just said we don't want to do a redraft, but how high would Bain go right now? Like, would he go with like the fifth overall pick, fourth? Uh, I mean, I would take him third. Over Halliburton? Yeah. Hmm. I, I think I'd still take Halliburton, but it's, I mean, it's the fact that it's even a debate says a lot. Um, I mean, is there anyone else you would add to that list of, of potential big time hits? It kind of depends how you define it. You know, like, you know, I'd be willing to listen on guys like Tyrese Maxey. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but even Sadiq Bay to some level for the 19th overall pick. Um, I, I've seen enough that I, it's, it hasn't been very many games, but I've seen enough that I think a was a big hit. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's got uh, just such a ridiculous ceiling. And every time he's been healthy, he's flashed everything you'd want him to flash. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I've said it, I've said it a couple times, I think, on this pod. Like, I think he is going to be seen as the best Giannis defender in the East uh, before too long. Uh, Evan Mobley might be in that mix at some point, too, but I, I think. A Kagwu just kind of gives you exactly what you're looking for when you're trying to defend uh, someone like Giannis. Yeah, he's got that Bam Adebayo body and, and athleticism and kind of inherent strength for his age. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to put him on that list for sure. I mean, he was he was in kind of my next category of, you know, encouraging, but he's only played 67 games. Uh, but like you said, I mean, anytime he's on the court and healthy, he looks really good. I, I do wonder, like, are they going to be – is Atlanta going to be forced to trade Clint Capella – at some point to, to make this work because you really can't play these guys together. And, you know, Capella is, is locked in at like 20 mil a year up to 24 mil a year through 2024, 25. Well, if they were able to make that move now, I would do it. I think Capella's contract is already looking pretty shaky. I mean, Capella has secretly kind of been the reason why the Hawks have underwhelmed this year. He's just right. been nowhere near the defensive player he was last year. And so I, I don't know. I mean, if there's a team that center is always, it's, it's tough to trade a guy at center who's making that amount of money over that many years. So maybe they can't get off it that easily, but uh, I would be looking to make that move sooner than later. I feel like with the Kung Fu in the wings, like you're, if you're the Hawks, you're maybe more open to taking a loss on that trade. Like, I don't, I don't feel like you you have to hold out and like, feel like you won the deal. Uh, I mean, one, it's, it's not looking like a great contract. And, and two, like you said, he's kind of submarine this team from within. So like, I, I think it's easier to, to sell Capella or, you know, maybe sell low or, or, you know, get a return that doesn't feel all that great because more than anything, like one, you're trying to get off the money, but I think more importantly, you're trying to clear the room for a Kung Fu because you're not going to have Capella sitting on the bench, you know, playing 18 minutes a night behind, uh, a second-year guy in a Kung Fu when he's making $23 million in a couple of years. Right, yeah. You, you definitely don't want to get to the point where uh, Clint Capella is like your eighth-best player. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't and want to be in the Bertan zone. Right, yeah. Uh, and, it, like, you know, there's – you might be able to sell a team on on that. I mean, there's, there's plenty of teams probably that uh, – defense has been a huge issue this year and if you could just if you could just attach you know a second round pick or like two seconds or maybe like a a, like a would you attach um Jalen Johnson to get off of him 
Uh, with most people, yes. Now, would I? I, I don't know. I mean, your, your ticket to the finals, I don't, I don't know if I would just punt on that. They have too many good players for, for a team to be as bad as they are, that's for sure. No, I mean, I think you would, depending on, on what the deal is. You know, I, if, if you're taking a major loss and it, you're basically just selling the Capella contract, I would be a little less inclined to attach someone like Jalen Johnson, but I don't know. I mean, I at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm willing to admit that the Hawks probably know more about him than I do. I wonder if the Knicks would have been interested in could you just used Cam Reddish to get off of him because he yeah. seems like a, he seems like a Tibbs type of guy, and Cam Reddish clearly does not seem like a Tibbs. Type of guy. <laughs> that would have uh, so that would give the Knicks Noel Robinson, Capella, and Taj Gibson to go with the true center rate offense. Yeah, I think that Tibbs would just be licking it, licking his chops. So a little over a year and a half uh, into these guys' careers, how many how many players from this class would you say are are on the way or already in bus territory? I have a couple names, but not not many. Uh, I'm I'm probably quicker to call a guy bus than many people. Uh, I'll be I'll be generous. I'll, I'll leave the kind of hot take busts out of this and just go with the kind of obvious ones. Um, you know, Killian Hayes. I think with with a bullet, you can say that that's a bust. Uh, Obi Toppin, just given the players that were taken after him, I, there's just no way that that ever looks like a good pick to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're using that, you could say Wiseman. It, are we using like players that went at like if we were saying on draft day, like you should have taken Halliburton over Obi Toppin, and it's clear that that ended up being true? Does that mean it's a bust, or are we just talking about guys like Killian Hayes, where like you're probably not going to be in an NBA rotation in two years type of type of bust? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking more about the caliber of player, but I, I think you're you're definitely allowed to factor in where said player was taken, you know, like to me, Killian Hayes is a much bigger bust than, I don't know, like Malachi Flynn or whoever you want to say at the end of the first, you know, sure. like the stakes are, are significantly higher when you're talking about a lottery pick. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Hayes is a surefire bust. Uh, I think Kira Lewis is a bust. I think, um, yeah, I think Pokashevsky yeah, I mean, is Lewis a bust. is tough with a torn ACL, but it, it wasn't like he was showing a ton of flashes before that. I mean, do you agree that it, have you seen enough from Poku to say that that was a swing and a miss? Yes. Yes. He's on the list. Poku, uh, Jalen Smith, for sure. I mean, the Jalen Smith thing is absolutely insane where it takes at least two of the Suns' top three centers with the third being Bismack Biombo. Uh, <laughs> like two guys need to be hurt for him to even get like nine minutes off the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's sadly he's actually looked better than Poku probably um, <laughs> in the the very few minutes he's played. But obviously, like you know, I, I think I'm higher on Devin Vassell than you are. But I, like I, to yeah. me, Devin Vassell is like a easy top ten guy in this draft. And then obviously, he's been good lately. You know, Halliburton and Cole Anthony going right after Jalen Smith too. Um, Halliburton to me is the biggest what if from this draft as far as where, what if he went elsewhere? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a, what if in one side, because he ended up on like the worst team developmentally. And it's just been, you know, despite him playing well, it's just been a complete abyss, but it's like, you throw him on the Suns or you throw him on, I don't know, Atlanta, Chicago, 
Cleveland, like all these teams, Golden State, all yeah. these teams could have added Tyrese Halliburton essentially for free. Right. I think you can like exclude the Spurs because they were already pretty set at those positions. And sure. you can exclude the Hornets because they got LaMelo Ball. Right. But and even and Minnesota, of, obviously. Yep. Right. The rest of the teams from two to 10, like the teams from two to 10, other than the Hornets, all of them would have just. Like their entire franchise looks different with Halliburton than with the guy yeah. that they ended up with. Yeah, and I'm I'm partially willing to excuse excuse Atlanta on a Kongwu because yeah. I I, yeah. I do think that looks good, and I think positionally at the time that made sense. Like I, I get all that, um, but yeah, I mean every other team on this list. I mean honestly, like the Suns probably win the title last year if they take Halliburton. The Suns are probably you know, maybe instead of nine losses, they have five losses this year. You know, if you're playing Halliburton instead of um, Alfred Payton and, and Landry Shamit, you know, I mean it's just every year there are these massive what ifs, but that one, it felt like was staring people in the face. And I mean, when Phoenix not only passed on him, but reached for Jalen Smith, who has been as big of a bust as possible with that pick. I mean, I, I think to me, you know, it's a, it's a rich get richer situation. And Phoenix has obviously been just fine without him, but I mean, that, that really very good chance. That's the difference between Chris Paul ending up with a title and not ending up with a title. Well, we could just go like team by team. Like, I mean, the Warriors are probably the favorites to win the title right now with Halliburton instead of Wiseman. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the Bulls is an interesting one because they maybe they don't sign Caruso and Ball. Maybe they only sign one of those two. Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. I think, I think they actually probably could use Caruso and Ball more than Halliburton, just given um, the way that the pieces have, have clicked there when everyone's been healthy. But uh, like the Cavs, if you have Garland, Halliburton, Mobley, and Jared Allen, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, <laughs> that would be so ridiculous, right? Um, well, and the Cavs, I mean, the Cavs took a wing in Okoro, and I, you know, defensively, he's been fine. I get all that. I, I'm not an Okoro guy. I, I think offensively, it's been it's been pretty rough. And even watching him, like he, he was playing a lot in the preseason. He played with them in summer league. Like he, even in summer league, he was struggling to score. Like unless he's right at the rim, there's not a lot going on there. And, and again, it's worked out fine for them, much like Phoenix. It's like, you're not going to, you're not going to rue, you know, the day that you didn't take um, Tyrese Halliburton because things have gone well, but man, I mean, Cleveland, I think Cleveland, Chicago, and, um, and, and the Suns are the three that are, are really kicking themselves if, if they, well, if they truly admit it. How good would the Pistons young core look if you swap yeah. out Hayes for Halliburton and how, how good would Halliburton and Kate Cunningham fit together? Cause they're yeah, right. both, like they just would complement each other so well. You have two guys yep. that could end up being 40 plus three point shooters and are plus passers. Yep. I mean, that would just be, and that's like really nice size too. If, if those are your, your one and your two. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, like the Knicks obviously, but the Knicks just never seem to really be going anywhere of note. And then yeah. if you're the wizards and you end up with Halliburton uh, over Abdia, maybe don't, bring in Spencer Dinwiddie and you maybe avoid that uh what looks like might have been a mistake on the free agent market it just for a team like the Wizards and even the Knicks to a lesser degree like it it probably doesn't change your immediate fortunes you, <laughs> you know, weren't going I mean, anywhere you weren't going anywhere anyway so don't yeah I mean you're slightly better maybe you're maybe you're <laughs> two or three spots higher in the standings who, who knows but it just it opens up like a new avenue when you start to look ahead. You know, like if you're the Wizards, that changes maybe how you view the entire Brad Beal situation because you have a guy that's maybe not quite Brad Beal level, but you know, you have a foundational piece that it's like, all right, if we trade Brad Beal, we bring back young players, we can build around this player in Halliburton. Whereas now, like with Beal, 
yeah, you could trade him and, and you're, you're basically going to be building around the young players that you get back in that deal. You have, you have really nobody on the roster who you can point to and say like, this is going to be our guy, maybe not even for the next 10 years, but just for the next two, three years while we ride out this rebuild. Like you're not doing that with Dinwiddie. You're not doing that with Kuzma. It's not Corey Kispert. Um, you know, Alex and I last week talked about, and this is an exercise I'd love to do with you sometime. We, we did a draft of the teams that we think are most likely to win a title in the next five years. We just went back and forth. And I went through and you know, we each ranked each team one through 30 and we only drafted seven teams each, but I had the wizards at 30 there. There's no team that's like more in the middle right now than the wizards. Yeah, I think, um, let me just, I kind of want to go through and see if I, I mean, like the Kings, I guess would be a well, strong contender yeah. there. Um, but yeah, other than the Kings, is there an obvious one that would be in the mix? Um, who are, who are you like your bottom three? Uh, I mean, I, I personally had I think like Orlando was down there, the Pelicans, but that was more so. You know, th- these teams are just looking like they're going to bottom out, yeah. and I I just didn't see it as very likely that, especially within the next three years, those teams were not going to be contending, and you know something radical would have to happen. You know, even over the next five, but. Even with teams like Orlando, Detroit, OKC, the you know the bottom feeders, like at least those teams, it's conceivable that they could either swing a monster trade or two with all their assets and and become a contender, or you're picking high enough over the next few years that you hit on like you know a Luka Doncic level impact player who vaults you into contention. Whereas Washington just looks like it's destined to, you know, kind of hover in that like 16 to 22 range. I feel like it's bad for the Wizards that. I would say the Magic and Thunder clearly have a better chance of winning the title. Than the right. Tigers. Yeah, and that's the thing. And obviously the Wizards are a better team than those two teams, but they don't – like those teams at least have a, a path that you can make an argument for not to win the title this year, not to win the title next year. But if you're talking 2024, 2025, yeah, yeah there's there's at least assets in place there. Yeah, if it's every, – If everything clicks, the Magic could win a title – four or five years from now whereas there's just no path for things like what would what can click with the wizards like they are they just are what they are yeah i mean you you luck into a team like that's willing to wildly overpay for brad beal right i I think that's kind of your out right now but you have to want to trade brad beal and he has to want to be like that's that's why they're so hopeless is that the team doesn't want to trade beal and beal doesn't want to get traded yeah, it's uh, it's not a good situation to say the least. Uh, last thing I want to touch on with the the 2020 class, kind of a sneaky terrible second round, and you know, oftentimes you really only get two or three hits in the second round. But I mean, even the guys that that I would say qualify as hits, uh, no offense, but we're talking like Xavier Tillman might be the best second rounder in this well, class. Uh, what about you know, uh, Tyrell Terry? Tyrell, I don't even know what team Tyrell Terry's on right now. Uh, we, you and I were very high on Tyrell Terry. He's on the Grizzlies, so contributing factor. Oh, uh, has not team. played. He's played one game this year. He's not played since Christmas. Yeah, I, uh, I also, um, for some reason, had high hopes for Jamius Ramsey. Uh, yep. Don't don't even know if he's still in the league. Uh, he is. He actually is getting some minutes lately because the Kings had a bunch of injuries, but uh, has not been great. Yeah, I mean, I, Tillman is. Tillman qualifies as a hit among these guys. Um, yes. You know, I, am, am I am I biased in saying that Laura is a hit? No, I don't think so. No, I think he's he's already provided enough value just in like a few games this year 
especially compared to the rest of the second round in this draft, he's definitely a hit. Uh, KJ Martin, did you did you say him? I didn't say him, but I, I have him on my list of potential hits. And and I mean, even calling him a hit is being a little generous. Sure. I mean, yeah, I I, I understand that, but uh, I would say he's a maybe a top five player from the second round here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly hard to even build a list that someone would say, yep, I think that's correct. I mean, like there's a case for Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed. Like the, these guys are probably top six or seven players in the second round. I mean, Saban Lee had that like five-game run last year. Um, I mean, it's it's bust after is, bust after bust. This is looking like, is this an, all, is this an all-time bad second round? I, I would have like, to do some comparison. I wanted, I stopped short of saying that because I need to look at other second rounds, but it certainly feels like you usually get like, there's not even like rotation players. In you the can, round. I think you can confidently say that there is not a starting caliber NBA player in the second round and that there is, there's yeah. unlikely, there's unlikely to be one. And maybe, maybe like Xavier Tillman on a bad team would be your starting center. Yeah. Uh, but like short of that, and maybe you could say Jordan War on a on like mm-hmm. a really bad team would be your starting shooting guard, but um, I just don't see a path for any of these guys to be no. starters on a good team. I will say, in defense of this class, I'm looking at the 2019 second round, and it's definitely better, but it's not a whole lot better. Like off the top of my head, these are the guys who I would say are the best players from the second round in no order: Nicholas Claxton, Cody Martin, Daniel Gafford, Eric Pascal, Jalen Noel. Taylor Horton Tucker, Terrence Mann, Jalen McDaniels. Wait, are you saying Taylor Horton Tucker is not good? Rotation caliber player. That's all I'm saying. He's him. He's him. <laughs> I I think I my my hope right now is um, for THT to to get traded at the deadline and then to just be a total stud wherever he goes over the, the final two months. <laughs> I mean, that is the path that a lot of these guys have taken, right? I mean, that would be following in the Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, to a lesser degree, uh, pattern. I mean, I, in this this year's second round, I think the the success of of Io DeSumo alone over the last three weeks makes it better than last year's already. Yeah, Io DeSumo is, like, already better than – yeah. So. All right, well, for next week, our, our assignment will be to review every second round ever – and do a, a full ranking as to where the, the 2020 class ranks. But uh, all right, man, we, we, we covered a lot of ground. Um, you know, appreciate getting your, your thoughts on the MKF picks. Um, interesting discussion with John. Of course, we'll continue to monitor uh, all the MVP stuff. And I think maybe, I guess the, the all-star reserves are announced this coming Thursday. So I think next week we'll have to kind of go through and do our full all-star roster audit. Sounds good. Thank you.